And I want it that way. Tell me, tell me why ain't nothing but a heartache. And tell me why. Alright. <laughs> so testing one, two, three, four, five, six. Alright. One, two. Alright, so how do we begin? This is a question that I always ask. But we have a very familiar face in the building today. Um Jade was here, Jade was here. We got into his intro right there. Jade was here, Jade was here. <laughs> <laughs> Blame Jade. Now we back. So, you know. Jade saw the past episode and was like, bro, I got something to deliver, a message to deliver to, to the people. A message that is so provocative and it's very timely. It's better than something that you could get on a Sunday morning. But we're giving this to you on a Sunday afternoon. But welcome to Everything Cool. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach But they don't come over the hill where we sleep We got nightmares and they got fantasies No sanity, it's just insanity My mommy hoping nothing happens to me Sorry <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are basically Justin was saying uh, is I was thinking I was trying really hard to think about you know how to really begin the segment but it's a similar theme of just something everyone deal with is just pain and you know different challenges and issues in life and I was thinking especially during this pandemic and you know the past two years or so what people was dealing with what they was looking at, you know, learning more about their self or getting more lost inside their self. And a lot of people really don't know what direction to go in, like what to go, what to do or where to go. So I was saying, when I look back on my life, it's still a long journey to go and what I want to do. And mm. I think sometimes people feel like it's just one or two things that happen in your life, like, or you grow up in the ghetto or, um, you, you get shoot or something like that. That those are things that warrant, you know, feeling sad or down or angry. But you know, I mean, everyone, no matter where you come from in life, like rich or poor, or black, white, or gay or straight or whatever in between, people feel like people deal with a lot of different issues. So, I mean, yeah, like that's that's the main crux of what I was thinking, and you know, a lot of stuff. It will start from a really young age. Like I remember myself at age four or five looking in the mirror saying, Who who am I? <laughs> like, like, yeah, like questioning yourself. And we don't even really test for mental illness and stuff in the bomb. It's like you don't you would, I mean, I don't think you test that you could be crazy young. and you wouldn't even know. Yeah, I mean you could be evaluated though. Like let's mm. say for instance you are some type of because I have a, a pro, language processing problem. So a learning disability. And I was diagnosed with that from like seven or eight after I became evaluated. So there is vehicles for it. Now, could most people afford it? That's a different question. So, um, so yeah, but no, but 
like you, like at a young age, I questioned what my purpose is for being there, and I cling for purpose. Like I remember, um, it really came to head when I was fifteen, and then I was just led to go reconnect with my roots. That's when I first went back to my dad's island, Auckland, and sort of had an epiphany while being there, what I wanted to do, and it was all of this thus far. And, you know, coming up, like, you know, that's where I got, like, my media production company and, like, chosen few. And then, ironically enough, the years later, I found out that that space where my family is from, from North Auckland, used to be the home of the Maroons, the runaway slaves. And then, so it sort of connected me into, oh, this is why I is the way I is, and then learning about the family history. And, okay, this is why I have this mentality, and not knowing that. Me searching for that purpose and finding getting to that space sort of ignited and was the catalyst to bring me to who I wanted to be. Now, like we was talking about earlier, most people don't really get a chance to even understand their purpose. A lot of times, people just live in day by day. Like you thinking Bro. someone have you know, some plan, okay? When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. You know, go outside, yeah. <laughs> run up and down, go swim and play, go to a party, something like that. And a lot of the time, like I'd say with me in particular, I was more in appeasement mode. Like, I'll just do good in school just to appease my parents. Most of my mommy just to make sure I could go out, could go outside, um, play ball. And... When a lot of the time we don't give children enough credit, I feel like we don't. What do you mean by that? We think that children ain't really ready to deal with like topics like, okay, um, where you gonna be in this? Where you gonna be in five years, ten years? Where you wanna? Yeah, your life, I totally like, agree with that. And even with certain concepts like you know, sex and drugs and marriage, like a lot of the time people feel like oh children they don't know about these things they don't really understand like at very young ages like like some people even like talking about people getting molested some people exposed to these stuff like from age six seven like probably five yeah like you gotta like i born in 93 so direct tv came out around somewhere around yeah 99 2000 so i remember when i was seven that's the first time i ever saw porn and it was my Seven-year-old cousin who showed it to me. So I would say, like, all right, how do you know about this? <laughs> and then who, who was showing him this? So did he, did he get molested or something? And then he came out to be, you know, something else. But that's a whole different story. But I could even see how that affect my, my view of sex and, and women and relationships and everything. No, I, got, I got a story like that, too. Um, what else was? Uh, and then to... It's worse today because the access to social media and things like that. But mm-hmm. even back then, I think our parents sort of did a disservice with us, bro. Like, they try to insulate us too much from the world. So it made us sort of introverted in a lot of ways. So a lot of these experiences, like Kaya cousin learn about these things. He probably sneak around and do this, but because they ain't, they trying to make this utopia and hide you from what the realities of the world is. You can't even have an open conversation to talk about these things. So it's like I hide and I hide and I hide until it becomes prevalent in your life. You probably never really talk to them about it or even address 
the issues that you have by you know being faced with sexual perversion at a, such an early age. So, you know. And then I just thank God that it wasn't nothing like I ever get like raped or nothing like that at a young age because that's totally by luck and the grace of God. Because at age six and seven, you can't do nothing <laughs> if someone <laughs> yeah. just come to you and, yeah. and pick you up and take you somewhere. Then your life may go down that path of whatever it is that you will find sexually pleasing or whatever it is like that. And it's, it's a really, it's, it's something to think about because you have a lot of children who they was just born and then people do things to them and then they have these issues where they're dealing with most of their life. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of people, bro. Yeah. Like, especially, I wouldn't just say in this country, but I know a lot of people that have, a lot of women that have been either sexually abused or molested at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when there's issues like such as like the baby Bella situation or other situations like that, that's very commonplace. The who uh, situation? The baby Bella situation. What's that? Like with the four-year-old who was murdered by her mother's boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. People that were there was talking about that, saying, well, kill him, I'll do this and that. And then, payments, like, they go to violence so quick. In this case, it was warranted. It was yeah, right yeah. this time. But that man, he was crazy. That yeah, man, he was abusive. He abuses his ex-wife and his children. Like, mm. a man like that, you got to study him. You got to take his brain and study, like, Look at his life and see how he get like this because you can't rehabilitate a person like that. You you gotta That's true. Like at this point right now, ain't no way to re like they ain't never find a way to rehabilitate like a pedophile and someone like that. Like only thing the closest thing they have is, is chemical castration. And that still don't even work all the time. So you gotta study a person like that. Like why he how he even could get turned on by a child. Like hey, violence is still, you know, they still have to do something about him, but you got to understand how he get to even be like that to try prevent it for the future. I think when it comes to, from a standpoint, I mean, in multiple facets, I think when it comes to a lot of men in those situations, it's because, um, first of all, they come from a scarcity mindset, but there's a lot of false sense of self, ego. Um, their mind has been warped and twisted to see um, their sexual frustration or pleasure to trump everything else, no matter what. And they haven't found that sexual discipline to know a hey, X, Y, Z. Even come with down with the whole raping situation. Why would you want to force yourself onto a woman when we live in the age of sexual liberation? So it's, it's, it ain't even about the sex. It's about something more psychological of me breaking down this weaker being, getting getting um, a form of satisfaction from that behavior. So it's it's a lot of um it's a lot of brokenness within that. It's a lot of non-self-healing. Um it's a lot of okay, well let's say these men were, you know, because we pride as men, we we always wanted this situation to happen to us. Uh we young boys and we want an older lady to put us in the game or whatever. But Psychology, and that's never frowned upon because we just be like, oh, well, I was 12 and I had sex with a 24-year-old or this and that or whatever the situation, but we don't know. We will understand, and that's not frowned upon, but we don't understand how that affects us psychologically. 
or whatever. So it's like, you know, it prompts the promiscuity. And then sometimes people go overboard with that because now, okay, I'm not satisfied by just talking to a woman and then I got to go do this to a woman or go with a a young He said the first time he had sex, his daddy put a prostitute on him. Wow. Like a fine prostitute too, like is it Colombian or something like that, but no. I don't make it no better. <laughs> <laughs> and then how that might affect is his view of women, like yeah, how old was he? Day. Huh? How old was he? Twelve. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it kind of segue into my original point. There's yeah. someone, you know, in an affluent community saying no one who grew up in like yeah, yeah, yeah. town, nothing like that. So these traumas with people have and what they carry through life, it ain't just like you hit age 21 and you don't know your purpose or you hit age 25 and you just lost in life is are you just depressed it's like traumas that compound and build upon one another like because i from i was like i i want to say um 10 11 i just have these thoughts would like it's so far ahead of my peers and i was i wouldn't call myself a genius or nothing like that but i just was exposed to my mother she was a very intelligent woman like a teacher for 24 years and talking to me about things like you know respecting people women being educated not being a violent person like these topics would grown men still don't even really like mm-hmm. like really internalize the thing yet so you will see these things happening and then you'll say you know well why i'd feel like i just don't fit in with people around me like how come i speak this way how come like I carry myself this way and I just feel so frustrated. Like I just don't fit in. Like when I in the life of geek crowd, they look at me as like ghetto. Yeah, when I in, you know, in Foxy, they look at me as too the prep too, too preppy. When I so anywhere you go, yeah. well, a lot of people they feel like you don't never belong in no circle. Like like when I in, in a druggy circle, I may smoke weed, but I ain't doing, you know, yeah, <laughs> I ain't doing lines of coke. And <laughs> so even them, they wouldn't pretty fully on accept you. So you see, it's, and that's an issue in and of itself. Like humans, we want, you know, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like I forget all the steps, but, you know, it's baseline, food and shelter, then, you know, money coming in. And then you got, and at the top of that is self-actualization. Right. So you want to like feel like, purpose and worth and you want a sense of belonging like like where do I fit in or where who accepts me so and that's the issue what I think a lot of people whether they could verbalize it or not they'll deal with you know no matter where you come from in life and that's why you have to stop silencing people like people might come to you with their issue what they feel bad about like you know I didn't get into the school what I wanted. And you say, so what, like, at least you could go to school, at least you could, but then that person, where they had in life, that's their issue. And yeah, it might not be a big thing to you, but you don't dismiss it. You don't be dismissive of people and their plights and their struggles and what they're going through just because it may not necessarily be your struggle, you know? So that was a big point where I want to like really understand that people Throughout life, they deal with these things and process it, and it's like things building up one on top of the next, on top of the next. Yeah, I think that's something that's just we generally have to go through. So, what, what, okay, as you got older and transitioned through these things, how did you um, come into adulthood, per se? Because I think 
like I was saying earlier, I think I realized today it took me 10 years to get to a comfortable place and finally become the person who I am, who I want really, what I've always wanted to be. And that's not just on a basis of career, but on a basis of where I'm comfortable, fully 100% comfortable with myself. So the places where I've been in life, like, I live around and went to school with people from all day with different walks of life. Like where I live, I live around people from all different walks of life, like people who was up at the top, people who was down at the bottom, people who um like people who would steal light and cable. And then people who will have like How do you even steal light and cable? All day with different ways. <laughs> like <laughs> I always used to wonder I was like, wait. People will be like, are I stealing I stealing cable from my neighbor, right? And I'm like And I ain't trying to portray myself like I, I grew up in the ghetto and like some super hard like in the trenches story yeah. like that. Like in Nassau is twenty one by seven miles wide. So, so everywhere. no matter where you really live, unless you behind a gate your whole life, that that's gonna find you like different yeah. walks of life and different types of people. Yeah. And so I how I had compared was my transition in schools. Like when I was going to QC, you get people who live in Camp Road, people who are, po- are politician children, people who are just middle class, people from all over the place. And then it's like this sense of, I gotta be a boss, or I gotta be the hardest, or I gotta be sure as the richest or as the coolest. And that was my mindset until like, like 13, 14. I was always like, I think, when I go around certain people, I take on more qualities of them. And then I went to Life of Key where I'm going to school with people from Switzerland and England and Jamaica and all over the place. And people who like own real estate companies. And uh-huh. it's, it's a whole different mindset where you, you ain't trying to wear all your Tommy and all your polo and show everything that you have and all your gold chains. People trying to really be conservative with what they have. Like they ain't trying to show you like, I have all this money. They really trying to be more like low key with everything. And then you will see like certain things that you hold in such high esteem, like signs of um, affluence and all that. It don't really mean nothing. And then. But that comes from having a scarcity mindset though. Because if you're in a space where everybody have, why I need to show you that I got, I in the circle to say that I got. You know what you have. Yeah, and you but people know I have because I wouldn't be here if I didn't. And you ain't trying yeah. to, like, the big thing in Bahamian culture is people like to prove that they have it and they mm-hmm. got money and I, I as the biggest boss. And when you go out into the, the larger world, mm-hmm. like even outside the Bahamas, like the Bahamas is a little speck in the world. Mm-hmm. We in like, like, you see like a wave come and blow this whole country away. Like, and then we got to go somewhere else and then you'll just be, Another number, no matter how much you got over there. So, like you were saying, like what really might have like, helped me change my mindset and grown to accept myself is that well, I saw these people who they didn't fit the typical mold of what you see would be accepted in society. And like all of us, everybody just kind of here doing whatever, just trying to be happy and find happiness and make a living. And then I went away to school and then I saw even, well, before I went to COB and I kind of went back 
in an environment like like I said before, like you know, regular Bahamian mindset, like mm. people who are really just trying to flex and flaunt, show how much they have. And I live in that again for a while. Then I went away. Like similar, like you was in Georgia as well. Yeah. You got to see all oh, they were different lifestyles, people from all over the place. And again, a different mindset. So it's so much inside of a person that you mightn't even think about, like, you know, just their family, their hobbies, what things they want to do in life. And you see people in a whole different way. So how you accept yourself, it can be by the standards of necessarily where you live in or how much money you have is really what you're doing in a body around. Interesting, interesting. So, so how did you get from QC to to, to Life Key? I went there. Uh, so your parents <laughs> just was like, "Yeah, but we we taking you out of QC, and then you going to sit on Life Key." Um, I feel like at that point, it was like I was starting to really just fall into what people was doing, like just trying to to fit in more, and mm-hmm. it wasn't making sense. So they just was like, we could put you in this environment instead. Mm-hmm. Nah. My mommy was a teacher there. Oh, she was a teacher at Life at mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. It was like you often told tales. Because um, I was thinking, well, fast forward to more Georgia. And George, my time in Atlanta has been a very pivotal time in my life. Um. I literally turned from a boy into a man in that city. And, you know, it was traumatic at different moments, like going through different things and having different experiences. But it was like a turning point to where you have to let go of what you once knew in order to get where you want to go. To where, you know, a lot of unlearning, not a little learning, understanding this, understanding that, and sort of pushing forward. Because what would really start got me to start like reminiscing about those days is like, you know, young Dove just passed away. Like he got murdered. And like I have footage of him before he blew up because we me, Jacoby, and Lloyd went to A3C twenty fourteen. We saw like a, a twenty one savage that wasn't famous yet. A young Dove that yeah, he had like preach out, but he wasn't really like him yet all the way. You know, saw Ray Shermer before they really like took off. Um, a couple of other artists like TC Young Fly and things that, and I was telling a friend like, you know, being around all these different people, and then Emmanuel Hudson and TC Young Fly would be in the same apartment complex as me, and they'd be like two doors down. It's like you're seeing all these things, and you're like, okay, I pro- I have a reason, but why I can't obtain the success, and just understanding that whole wave of emotions, and then having to come back home with your tail tucked between your legs because you know no one really want to go come back home but what did your time in georgia teach you was you like kennesaw so like what you learned during those years right before i even went away because i was trying to go away to school for my graduated high high school because like i going to school with millionaires and people who have pathways in front of them just pretty much charted out like whichever direction they were going. Mm. And I was, like I say, in high school, you might already be feeling little feelings of insecurity, like, you know, how come they have this and I have, they don't have as much, or how come they have that and I don't yeah. have as much as this. So applying for scholarships, 
um, applying for all type of things for years, getting rejected or like just not hearing back from people, government scholarships and a lot of stuff like that happened. And, and then in 2014, my mother died. Mm. You know, she had cancer um, and she, I pretty much watched her deteriorate the whole year, 2014. I was working in QVS at the time. So I was just working. So helping. you already finished at UB? I was still there. I was still doing all this at the same time, going okay. to UB, working. Um, so what's the year you graduated high school? 2011. Okay. So still doing all of this, trying to work and maintain things, still have like a semblance of normality. And, you know, even trying to hold on to a relationship and the person not really being that accepting of what I go through in life, like my mother and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then you will see, you know, you pray and do all these different things fast and that even had me questioning God and, and I think I think for a long time. After that situation, you was a different person from because I think we had each other on Facebook. And I was like, you know, because I knew your sisters because all of us was in the same social circle. So I was like, Yeah, like I wonder how she had handling this whole situation. I mean, it really destroyed me because mm. that's of like course. who yeah, I love yeah. the most in life. Like who mm. I feel the closest with, like who really like I can never disrespect my father and nothing like that because he always loved me my whole life and he was there for me too. But then for most of the like nurturing the real years. hardcore advice, like real, real, like you say nurturing. Mm. And I think that's what most people like they really get more from their mother. So that sent me into a serious depression and a serious um substance use problem, a serious just rage type issue where It'll just be ups and downs, ups and downs, like constantly for years and years. And you still deal with all that type of stuff. You can be on a functional level because like you say, so that happened. And in 2014, 2015, I was still in Nassau trying to scrape the other money to go away, get odd jobs and all that type of stuff. Then I was able to go in 2016. So I go on away with problems. Like I go on away with these, like, emotional issues with these type of things so mm -hmm. so the people i'm meeting they ain't meeting like this a fully functional you know what i mean like they're ready to you know just just throw venom on people and and just deal with people however like i need to do to get it because i even gone over there with no real money really mm. like and you know atlanta is people just scamming and finessing and yeah they on, on a regular so yeah, yeah i just fit right into that <laughs> so. no because it made you want to scam and finesse too not even like making you do it. Like if you don't have everything that you need at that particular time, then you just need to get things done. Like, I wasn't selling drugs and nothing like that, but mm -hmm. it's just how you will deal with people. And yeah, like, no, I, but it make you sort of draw on that insecurity because you like, wait, I would out, and these people got. I talk about basic stuff like just places to live, you know, and, and yeah, and, yeah, bro, like <laughs> not even having like car or nothing like, um. Like I'll I'll be using the food pantry at school a lot of the time to, to eat. Um, it's still smoking hot every day, so I'm working on the campus. But how much I work in, most of that going on is partying and smoking. Um, girls still around, still going out with them, and then you finding good girls like who could be partners in life, and then you abusing them like not physically, but then just you ain't take really cherishing them the way you're supposed to. So. In my pain and my ignorance, you doing all type of stuff like burning bridges with people and not really, you know, doing what you're supposed to do. 
I hear you out here Russian. Russian. I don't see this like, kind of just now. <laughs> no, because I hear Russian. Like a paintbrush or something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, now you must be freaking out because they answer Russian. And let's get to a quick commercial break. We very right get back because Jay about to get into something serious, and I I want to cut it when he get into the good stuff. I must see someone speaking. <laughs> when Jade was about to get into the story because like he, you told me the story when we went to Tinfurl 2020 like when it we the first opened up from lockdown and like when you told me this I was like bro you didn't do no therapy for this and you was like, like you played up you say no baby then this is that night so like when you recently tell me you like you know you started getting help I was like yeah that's growth right there but I can let you tell it too yeah. Go to Kennesaw. Um, you mean with the robbery? Yeah. Cause, Cause based on what you're saying is you were still enraged by the past and your mother and you still was somewhat broken. So did that have like me knowing this information now and connecting them with that past information, did that have anything to do with how you approach that situation? The main thing, I wasn't even supposed to really be there because the dorms where I was on in-campus dorms, this was like the cheapest dorms you could live in. And they kick out everyone from them dorms. Like everyone who wasn't freshman, they kicked them out. So for like a year, I was just bouncing around from like couch to couch, giving people like 150, 200 a month just to like live in their front room or something. And I ended up living with one guy and his his daughter. I always used to work in the, camp, um, the dish room together. There's one guy from Detroit, one white guy from... Um, they New York Italians and <laughs> this way, and the guy from Detroit, his his six year old daughter. It's like a two bedroom, like a pod. Also, oh, this was in the school dorms. No, this is all the school dorms. Okay, and he he used to live like work in the military or like he was at some point and um in the dish room as well. So. Like this, all us we used to smoke at the time, and then just you know be chilling and relaxing. So he is said this weird too, but <laughs> we already know. Like we already tap. Like I already spoke to him before. Like because there was some incident where he was trying to sell people stuff from out the power. So I already tell him like like you know you can't do that again, right? Say so. Like, like, so you sound like you're a crock. <laughs> no, but okay. So you. Because I know you was just like paying to stay. I thought you was actually staying. Had like a room and everything. And you know, as far as living on the, like little bed in the front, like little couch or like yeah. my living in the front room, bro. Wow. wow. Like, yeah, bro. And then, so, and these people. Because no, you was like, how you was telling me the first time, I didn't know. I was, when you were saying, yeah, I keep on telling the dude that I thought that was y'all's sport. 
or whatever. See that now I know, and he might have looked at like, but you won't even really did it. Yeah, da, da, da. I put my I put my name on the lease just uh. because I didn't want to even have no say like that, so they could mm. put me out like mm. because I wasn't paying them much. So it was my name on the lease and the white boy from New York. Mm. So already, like I saying, you know, like don't be stupid, like. We live here, like whatever you want to do, like do it outside or like go drive the people. So you probably just say something to maybe like, yeah, yeah, you know, and we still buckets with that before, like after that. So he still let people like, I think the next day, like this like 10 in the morning, they gone downstairs to go because he locked his keys inside his car. He had a Durango and a BMW. So, he had two cars. Yeah. Wow. So I think he must he was leasing one of them. I know. Very so leasing simple. Yeah. So he locked his keys inside one. So I have him get it out. Like like he probably had the door open a little bit and like get some piece of hanging and just push down the, the unlock button to get it out. So I go on back upstairs, right? All oh, this 10 in the morning now, like like just bright sunny day, like everything about to be a great day. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like so I see him walk back upstairs. They're like one boy just in his boy eyes was yellow. Like, wow. Like and he looked like but probably with five, ten, six foot or something like that. And you could just see a something off with him. Mm. So how the apartment was situated, like you walk in his room immediately to the left. This is a front room area, just a hallway. And then it's the kitchen. It's the bathroom leading to the hallway. Mm. And his room connected to the bathroom. So I was in the bathroom. And then the other roommate room on the next side of the kitchen. So I in the bathroom and I get here like he serving him or he weighing something up for him. He say, you know, let me see it like this and that. And I know something off because this ain't quiet. this ain't really like no ghetto like nothing like that. Like people just buy what they don't get and then leave. So he say, let me see, it, let me see it. And as soon as he said that, yeah, like the gun cock. And he said, like get on the ground. And this boy like from the military now walking like this big, this big <laughs> man. You know, I say, please don't shake, please don't kill me. Like just just begging for his life. Like please. and I'm just saying like. Oh, so he knew this dude before. I these people who I just know for a couple months, like yes. Not talking about he knew the dude he, he was serving. He never meet him in his life. I got a story after you know after you tell that about. Anyway, I yeah, really want to make this into a movie. I was trying to produce this for a little while. I have a script written up for this and everything, so yeah, I can still like. No, we were supposed to do a skit about that, and when you was playing the man, well, you was gonna play you. Mm. So basically, I just like you know. F like expletive. I hear someone curse on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my mind, saying like, "Wow!" So all I thinking is, I just try creep down the hallway, like get one knife out the kitchen and hug the hallway. Then we so what around. did it make you think? Wait, let me just stay in the bathroom. I know he was gonna come in the bathroom. Mm. Yeah, he was gonna clear out the whole house. He would kill all us in there. Probably he come in there with no mask on, and then he looked like he was a little high already. Mm-hmm. So. Say, let me just see if I could get a knife. Let me walk this corner. I could just, I could jerk him to pieces. <laughs> and then when he come around the corner, like he already had the gun drawn me like this. So all yeah, I gotta yeah. do is just, like, even my hand drop, drop it down. So he put all this in the front room, put us on the ground, like, and he looking through the place. And I remember he just begging, saying, like, Man, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Like, you just, I have a daughter. And then the robber talking to him, saying, like, listen. I didn't have a dad. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't take you from your daughter. So in my mind, I say, like, why, why are you? I said in my mind, like, like I say, boy, f you and your dad, f you and your daughter, bro. Like you have us like on the ground. Right. And I saying, bro, 
So we just on the ground and he's saying like, where the money is, where the money is. So I just like saying like, you know, money. Bro, this money dude bro, was probably there before, bro. Or I guess he probably he just, the place out. Yeah. So now he only get like a little bit of weed my roommate had and like, I had ten dollars in my wallet, and he take a PS, a PS two, or like Xbox three hundred and sixty, and like one JBL speaker. So he's saying like, where I know it, someone, I know it's something else. And my roommate say, uh, I, I get more money in my car, so I just like, <laughs> like nah. Why? <laughs> I just saying, what happened? Like, <laughs> I think in my mind, <laughs> like, what happened? Like, so he he take us out the place. He walking us down. I like. So ain't no one else seeing this way. Have y'all tie up? We in the apartment. All this happening in the apartment. Nobody talking about when he took y'all downstairs to the car. We walk, we walking on the single file and he walking up behind us like, you know, I'm tired or nothing like that. And he just walking out. So we going to the back of the, he going to the BMW, right? So mm-hmm. it's in the parking lot, right? And so he walk in front of us now. My roommate's standing in the trunk. So he walk in front of us now. My roommate between me and him. So I trying to signal them to say like, Jumping. That's your Russian my nigga. Right. Like, what? And he ain't do nothing. <laughs> so I just I just called and gone past him. And then as soon as I want to strike him, he say, like, what are you doing? Like, and just <laughs> so just to, just to signal the boy turn around. So as soon as the boy is turning around, like his head, like meet my fist, and I, I strike him, he just fall on the ground, and the gun fall onto the side, onto the curb. So just right in front of my roommate again now. Mm-hmm. And then me and the, the robber, like, we just like going for the gun. They just jump for it and he get it before me. So I just like gripping them, holding them, like just striking them, striking them. And right. uh, we on the side of the car, like the BMW, like he like decided, like leaning on it. I just uh, strike and he had the gun in it. So he trying to, to hit one shot at me, like pointing my face and I strike him. And then the gun going like in there. So the first shot missed. Boy. And then he trying to get up. Dude, listen, did I hear the story? So now he trying to get up <laughs> off the ground, like to draw down on me that shoot me on the ground. So I just holding this. this is call it so I get his sleeve so I get up with him and then he's still like trying to like shake me off and shoot and he shake me off and then he shoot again so I just on the ground rolling around rolling around like all my knees but getting cut up like I could put the link on the same video like police are searching for an armed man who forced his way into the apartment of two Kennesaw State students robbed them and then fired several shots before driving away Channel 2's Ross Cavett with us live on George Busby Parkway near the KSU campus with the unusual items suspect was wearing, Ross. Well, the victims told me the suspect appeared to have on an ankle monitor that you would get if you are on some sort of house arrest, which is very weird. It happened just before 11 o'clock in this complex just off George Busby Parkway near the Kennesaw State University campus. That suspect, as he was fleeing, yelled at the victims that he may come back for him, which is why those students did not want their identities revealed. I heard the gun cock and... He said, it's a robbery, get down. This victim, too scared to show his face, told me the armed robber forced his roommate back into their apartment then forced them both to lay down at gunpoint. He did not wear a mask. At that point, you don't know what he is capable of because he isn't scared to show his face. The robber stole a couple of game consoles from the apartment, a bit of cash, then forced both students back out into the parking lot. The KSU sophomore told me he worried the gunman would force them to drive out of the apartment complex, so he jumped them. Tussled for a little bit. He let off a few shots in the air, and I ran back up and tried, you know, call the police. For the most part, it's families and KSU students. 
Neighbors say this aging complex just off the KSU campus has until recently been a peaceful mix of folks, but lately there's been an uptick in trouble, including more gunshots heard just last night. It's a really nice neighborhood. Half the people leave their cars unlocked around here. You know, we all know each other, so it's like, it is a bit of a shock. There's always cops through here for one thing or another. He could have killed us multiple times, you know. So the victim who stared at a gun and fought his attacker was moving out of the greenhouse complex, heading back to campus. There's a heavy police presence out there, so I was so surprised he even tried that in broad daylight like this. A very strange uh, case here. Detectives say they're still working it. The suspect fled down here on George Busby Parkway in a light blue Toyota. The victim told me that he was living on campus at KSU, but was kicked out when his dorms were converted to freshman dorms. He was heading right back over there, hoping he can get a room back on campus once again. We are live near Kennesaw, Ross Cavett, Channel 2 Action News. We did news clipping and pictures and everything. Like, yeah, we got oh, yeah, we cut that. Yeah. Big yeah. Story. So, yeah. so, all this, and they're just spinning right. I ain't staying still for like a second, so you don't get any feelings. So, he shoot again. Like, there's three shots, and I miss again. So, I just run upstairs, and like, he runs this car, and they like, going off, and they call the police. I call the police, they came upstairs, right? They draw it on me. They saying like, you know, I black. So yeah, they yeah, could yeah, yeah. think, you know, yeah. I doing something first. And then we going on, says they're doing their report or whatever. Bro, my roommate, you don't even know. You see where he was this whole time. He run out of our complex across the street to the next apartment complex, bro. To he who? Saw, no one. <laughs> he just saw me with the police. He's saying like, hey, bro, you got shot? He's like, <laughs> uh, so I just there, like just the police or the army just bandaged me up or whatever. Like they just getting a statement, like and I just angry, just cursing and saying, you know what happened, this and that, and like all that happened. Mm. And still now going back to the campus, trying to, I still going the same day, turning my homework assignments, like bleeding, bro. Like I walk wow. around the campus, bleeding, turning, like going to classes, like tell them what happened, and like people respecting the. Even my jaw, I didn't even tell them, but they had, but it like through some people must see like they give me a raise because of that. Right? Wow. <laughs> so all that happened, right? And you was asking, like, was that a part like but that was a rage thing? Like, I I wanted I wanted to kill I wanted to kill him. Right? Like mm -hmm. I wanted to cut him down and ain't no one would have blamed me. Right? Cause self-defense. Yeah. Ain't no one would have blamed me. And then I still already like I just angry on this situation. I can't even really sleep properly. People in and out the place. Like people just you in America, bro. Like America I understand, in, in, in the South, bro. Like this, they still they racist, bro. Like yeah. they still really have ignorant mindsets, bro. So I I deal with all of this and still ain't really where I won't be at in life. Bro. Still and you're really, still trying to heal from your trauma and your mother passion. And still these things just keep on coming and coming and compounding. Bro. So it is be like, bro. If I die, die, but I could kill him. Mm -hmm. And he ain't no one could blame me. Right. So and I, I know gangster, bro. I know someone who grew up in no gang or nothing like that, or mm -hmm. in no quote unquote bad area. This just it's just me as a person. And this something with that's a fight or flight instinct with in everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's why I keep on saying, like throughout this interview, it ain't about saying where would background you from? It ain't about that because people have issues. Right? People yeah, have yeah. serious, people have serious issues in life. Right? Did the person ever got caught? No, you know they ain't never get caught. Right? If one Mexican police officer um, expected to do the statement and like he said, I can call you the next day, they ain't never called. Right? So mm -hmm. then I trying to go on campus now to see where I could live now. The campus they giving me a hard time because I had to see some 
$100 bill but didn't get paid off. So, and I had some money to pay it, you know. I say, listen, you all kick me, kick us out. Kick us out for nothing, really. Mm -hmm. And then you want me to do what? I take the money, I go on, take a trip to Miami, but it's <laughs> one of my cousins, bro, like just mm -hmm. to, to just to be with them for a little bit and, and just talk, bro. And so did you, so what your, did you finish at Kennesaw? Yeah, I I stayed there like two more years after that and then get my degree and everything. And I finished what I went over there for. And if I really wanted to, I could have stay. I had my OBT, I had everything like um my I still have my card, like the um, yeah, I still have my still, yeah, yeah. The, the work um access so, card, but still way. I didn't even talk about the suicidal thoughts and suicide. Okay, so let's, let's get let's get in there because all these things because uh -huh. it's just you still ain't really healed from the things mm -hmm. what I was talking about from when you was 13, 14, issues mm -hmm. you was dealing with and feeling like nothing really worth anything. Mm -hmm. So you do the conventional things like you all right, you say we live in a time now where you smoke and just, you know, that's, or use that's like some a, type of drink. Yeah, that's a, a numbing agent. And then, you know, that has become commonplace and drinking a little bit. Um pornography always is another thing it was mm -hmm. present. Um girls. And then still you trying to go to counseling and do that type of stuff and talk about all these things and unpack all these feelings, but it is feel like you so deep and down into this life and life just weighing in on you that you just feel like it really ain't no way out. Oh, yeah, you, you feel like like it death is it? It yeah. like death is really the only way out. Or like to just mm. to just escape whatever you're dealing with. And bro, the number one thing, what I'd say, like coming away from so Understand, like you can still function in these times. Like you can still mm -hmm. put on a, a happy face and go to school, you can put on a class, mask, put on a mask, yeah. go to work and do all the particulars and talk to people and you see them and you know for your family and like do a little jig and dance. But you know how you feel when you go home at night. You know how you, you lay feel down, when, bro. That's you know, what I always say when you can't sleep. Like when you can't sleep, but when you lay down, try closing my eyes, the real you come up. When you can't sleep, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. and you can't really. You will feel some points when you're so depressed and so heavy laden with life, you can't even talk. Like mm. you can't even find words to say to people. And that's why, like we was talking about before the interview, like people just going out straight through, straight through. Like, I don't, that don't make me feel alive. That yeah, the constant me, always partying and like. Bro, you have people in, in life who can't eat. You have people in life who, who children, have leukemia, but you have people in life who, like in Africa and different parts of the world, like bro, they risking, and Haiti, they risking drowning in the sea just to get hair. And hair is a bunch of garbage. So, <laughs> bro, like, there's so much things with, like, so everything that I tell you just now has really helped you to put life in perspective. Right? Like, like how would you, like what type of life your mommy used to live? What type of life your grandparents used to live? What type of life your pastor, whoever, like positive role model in your life used to live, like, and they had problems too. Mm -hmm. Everyone had issues. So that whole story, what I tell is that ain't why right, people love stories ten times worse than what I just say. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I'd say so counseling it did help at certain points, but even with that, right? You talk, so when 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 you turn when yeah. it was okay, like 
you had your mother dying in 2014, and then you go through this traumatic experience in two years That's later. 2017 when it happened. Oh, so this happened in 2017? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this, because, you know, trauma and all these different things compound itself. Because, like, you maybe not deal with one, but then you still... You're just stacking it up or up and up and then just aging it. And you festering. still have to make money. Like, you still yeah. have to help keep a job, which yeah. you might not like. Like we just talking about, like yeah. what you don't really want to do. Yeah. Like, what you're just doing. And, and then being yeah. in spaces where you don't feel like you nothing. Like you ain't a comp. And then it's the whole comparison syndrome too. Because now you look at your peers. That's why you- I came off social media, bro. Mm. Like I ain't even on social media right now. Like like I might do something here and there just for uh, parents or something but like. I ain't gonna go back on till I really till like comfortable with everything. Mm, that's very fair. That's very fair. Because like where people underestimate that whole comparison narrative, bro. Because now you start looking like, wait, what are you doing wrong? And I mean, PG was just talking about this like a couple weeks ago. Like you get older and you like, it feel like you should have supposed to accomplish certain things by now, but you still like you a mind, but you still feel like a boy. Or whatever, and you're trying to shake this feeling like, babe, what I doing wrong? Like, I did everything that I was supposed to do, but it still ain't working. It still ain't happening. And then you get frustrated. And then you, if you're in a relationship at that moment, you take that frustration in your relationship because like you're really mad at her. You mad at yourself. And it's like, and you know, her telling you it okay or whatever, whatever. Or even if she does things, let's say. Oh, she have eyes for her next dude. That compounds it even more. So mm-hmm. you start getting on top, on top, on top, on top, and you ready to implode. So and it's that's like, the next thing yeah. I even want to talk to that another person. Thing affects you, man. Like your daddy mm-hmm. or your right. mommy, your family, like a girl, your wife. Like I don't expect no woman to come and rescue me in life, man, like for my problems. I don't Correct. expect no. When to be my therapist or heal me, like that's where a lot of men they, they going wrong, because like, mm-hmm. they go on there a woman with all these issues, like she have her own problems, like, she have yeah. her own thing she trying to deal with, like, like mm-hmm. and they they still love you, they still want to help you, but ain't no no woman to rescue you, like. you mm-hmm. see what I mean? So don't don't go thinking that oh I need a girlfriend or I need a, a wife to crown me and and have me, you know. Keep me in check because you got to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. And that's why I always tell dudes like, you got to, before you even, before you do anything with any relationship thing, you have to heal yourself. You have to ground yourself. You have to be comfortable with you. Because once you have that peace with inside you, then it's like, all right, well, when someone's saying, oh, I'm making them feel like this, I can, I can identify, is this something I'm actually doing or this how you feel? But because because you in this bi head space and you don't feel like your life come together how it needs to be, you confused because you trying to figure out first first you trying to make peace with yourself, then you trying to make peace within a relationship with somebody else, and then they have these expectations of what you're supposed to be doing as a career. So you trying to make peace with your life living and things like that. Then the expectations of your parents maybe or other people like so it's like. It becomes too much. And people implode. Most men implode. And, you know. And I feel like a big part of that is because they taking it on. Like they, society already try to put all type of things on you. Like you're supposed to be making X amount of money. You're supposed to have this. You're supposed to do that at this age in life. Mm -hmm. And then if you accept that, then I can make you feel like, oh, I ain't nothing. Mm -hmm. I ain't a sign that. Meanwhile, 
like we live in this life like you didn't ask to be here bro no mm. one asked to be here like to just live and to grow up wherever you are bro you have to find what could work for you like, like some like some people just is is go on the sea and fish way mm-hmm. not saying that's the easy job but you could be a fisherman bro and that's your happiness right there like going on the water getting your catch you selling you go on what a couple of weeks now that i know easy job and you getting your catch and then you coming back and you living some people look down them type of careers like they say oh why you ain't no big hot shot lawyer or doctor or we send you to these schools and this and that right but you will never ask to be none of that mm-hmm. mm. you never asked to be like you know you might have just want to be play basketball or like play soccer or whatever it is like and society is trying to tell you you can't do this you can't be that you got to make money you got to do this you got to compromise and i feel like a lot of time people compromise they really regret it a lot yeah, of they time. do because mm-hmm. it ain't what really they ain't compromising for something that really makes them happy they just doing it out of necessity yeah just to live yeah but what i really wanted to say is that talking to all like the therapists and counselors right mm-hmm. even that it could kind of make you feel like you running in circles because you go to this one like some of them never really been through a lot of life issues they just had their parents send them to school and they know about this theory and that theory and they looking at you like yeah, <laughs> yeah like, i understand Great. and they never really been through nothing and then they went prescribe you a drug or two and then say I did a good job. <laughs> um, you they didn't do really nothing to help you. Mm-hmm. And then they can make their money and continue and you go try this one and that one and feel like this one don't fully understand you. This one don't totally get it. And it's expensive, like we were talking about before, like who really get access to it, like yeah. good healthcare. So at the end of the day, you need something to ground you that's that's stronger than all of this what we say. So I counseling is good i don't i'm not saying mm. that it ain't good because mm. it helped me a lot throughout the time but that alone ain't gonna make you like quote unquote happy it gotta be a mix of things you gotta exercise right you gotta get mm-hmm. out you gotta have a good community of people you gotta eat healthy food right you gotta have a goal like mm-hmm. you might not know your purpose but find something to work towards but you know you know you ain't working in vain I'm by the most important thing what I'd say would even get me so this going on like 40 something days without smoking and over the past like seven years I try at least 10 times to stop just for my own mental health because even though it might help at certain points that could really affect your emotions and your chemical balances too mm-hmm. and I'd say what helped me the most at all this time was a hey, building a relationship with God hey, mm-hmm. know I say Hey, Jesus Christ and I still ain't perfect still ain't nothing like that still have my faults and flaws but I tell myself nowadays if I don't do nothing else in life and even I put saying this on camera people hold me accountable to this but if I don't do nothing else in life uh-huh. if I don't never become a millionaire nothing like that like I still feel like someone looking out for me and really checking for me like, and out of all this whole time like, I'd say that make me feel the best out of everything what I just said. Because like good. going through those situations and feeling like you don't really have no one to lean on or talk to. 
cut the loneliness out to the feeling of depression and you'd be like, you know, ain't nobody to care for you. And that sort of really like sort of put, comes into play with um, the passing of our friend um, around a year prior to that incident to Kennesaw. Um, and just learning from different experiences. Because I'm in two where someone put a gun in my face, but I've been around things like that. Or, you know, where it was. Everyone's story is different. Yeah. Everyone have a different story. Yeah. So it's like, I understand the whole, you you have all these things that affect you and you don't feel like you have no one to talk to. And, that, and that's what brings you closer to finding God and finding who you truly are and start loving yourself and healing yourself. And then you start realizing what life really about, you know. But yeah, this was great. Um, we like to thank Jed for coming on another provocative episode. We need to have more Jed was here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bro, this is therapy for me. Uh-huh. The reason why I say let me do this is because uh-huh. I know people is need things like this and. Not just for me or not just for my own, to satiate my own ego or nothing like that. It's something what I feel a lot of people just need in life. Right? Yeah. I just yeah. trying to find this quote what I wanted to Okay to end with. Um you were saying something else, um in terms of um Ed. Which, which yeah, was, no, but like I was selling Jade behind my ad. You know, unfortunately, he transitioned um, many years ago due to succumbing to his own inner thoughts. And I was saying, like, he really inspired me to do everything I do today. I can't never, when I accomplish certain things, whether it be with the original people network or the jungle trademark or whatever, I can never not think about him because it's like, you know, he advised me to do, like, regardless of the situation, just always be fruitful and you know, figure out a way. And it's like, you know, I did it. So, yeah. Ed is a beautiful person. Eh? This, aside from, like, money, and Ed had money, and Ed was in the army. Ed suffered from PTSD, and Ed used to fill up his times with different things, you know, building projects. Um watching movies, you know, we had chill, hang with Ed, smoke. Um, I can't find one bad thing to say about Ed. You can, because he I, just was always, if you need someone to be there for you, he always was there. And I love Ed, right? And regardless of whatever people believe, I feel like his spirit at peace, mm. you know? But I just wanted to end this. Just one thing is Matthew 28, verse 20. And just say, and remember that I'll always be with you, even until the end of time. Mm. So, it's no matter what people are going through, everyone have a different walk in life, something what they're going through and dealing with. Like, really build a relationship with God. And on that, we out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Yeah, baby.